Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hi, my name is Olivia Neal, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Paul Hogan. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to... Snow the goalie. 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 Oh, yes! The losing streak is over. A winning streak has begun and hockey shut down. Welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, people's podcast, players podcast, prognosticators podcast, PLA podcast, campers podcast, the podcast that forgot to take Elaine Vigneault out of the intro. And I, I know that I say that even though the fact I could still go back and edit it, but I refuse to. I'm too busy. Don't have time. Deal with it. Welcome into the show. No video this week, but you will see in the thumbnail for this podcast that my co-host showed up today dressed up for the season. Let's start with the man who brought some Christmas flair to the image himself, Bundy. You can find him on Twitter, at Cetarian6. How you doing, fella? I'm doing great, guys, and I missed you. I know last week it kind of hectic. The Flyers went on a winning streak. Christmas holidays gets in the way of everything. Great to be back with you for a uh, a little blast here at Christmas. The Flyers playing much, much better. Uh, or at least taking care of business against teams that Anthony had mentioned about three weeks ago that they had to, to, to beat to at least stay in it. So they've done that. They're still significantly out of the, you know, out of the last spot for the, the, the in the Metro from where they want to be in a playoff spot. But all's good. The festive season's here. The NHL shut down. The Olympics are canceled. Not much going on other than that, and, uh, except good to see you guys. And Anthony's got his uh, skipper from Gilligan hat on, which is a little <laughs> festive. Uh, it, it, is, it is. It's perfect. I had the Santa hat, which you guys will see. But you know what, Anthony? Somewhere in the world, that's a Christmas hat. I can promise you. That's that. right. It is. That's right. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Russ, do I need an introduction or, or can I just talk? Just go ahead. We're already talking. <laughs> Anthony, talk find him on that. Twitter at Philly if you haven't already. Right, the good. man who, by the way, Broke two little bits of Flyers news in the past week, but didn't see uh, accreditation going anywhere uh, from the uh, from many of the outlets, including some who send emails to Crossing Broad to ask for the uh, appropriate accreditation. A- accreditation? Accre- accreditation? What the hell's the word? Doesn't matter. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah. Thanks. No, uh, Bundy, I'm wearing the captain's hat because, um, well, I mean, you know, I, I, if anybody on this team was wearing the C, it would be me. Um, I, I give you the A. We, Russ wouldn't have anything. Um, he would just be, you know, rank and file. But no, it, I'm happy with the A. Yeah, it's good. It's a good A for you. Good. Um, good. But uh, no, it's, this was a nice little uh, part of a, a fun little gift that my cast gave me at the end of my show that the red that I directed uh, that ended uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, yeah, I just thought it'd be kind of funny to put it on the hat for the thinking we were going to have the video out and you know, Russ isn't putting the video out. So 
Hey, we just we just wore it for no reason then. I put my hat back on just in case he changes his mind. That, that's a good I idea. I changed my mind because it doesn't go to me. It goes to video guy Craig, who's inundated right now because New York is uh, close to launching online sports betting, which means he is 100% being dedicated to uh, getting everything set up for the company for that. So there is no time to put video. I think this will make its way to YouTube in audio-only format. When the new year rolls around, we'll go back to video. So for those of you who enjoy sitting back and looking at our lovely glowing faces, or at least mine and Bundy's, uh, that'll be back in the new year. So positive. Um, all right, let's get into a few things. So I want to I want to start with something that we never would start with because we never would read this. Um, and and I will note that this person did a really good job of of noting the fact that it wouldn't get read on the show. So I'm not going to read it, but I am going to pull little bits from it. We got a podcast review um, about a week and a half ago uh, from somebody who gave the show a three star review and said that it's Negadelphia. Now, I just want really quickly, before we do anything else, I just want to kind of give people an idea of where we were in the world on December 11th, when this uh, review was left. The Flyers that day, and I believe this review had been posted before they ended up picking up that first win against the Coyotes, but that review was left when the Flyers were in the midst of a 10-game losing streak. No, scratch that. They beat, they beat Vegas. When we recorded the episode, they were in the midst of a 10-game losing streak, and somebody went out of their way to leave a three-star review and ask us to be more positive. I don't know how the hell you can be positive in the midst of a 10-game losing streak, but they, they begged us, they implored us to be more positive, and before we even had a chance to record again, the Flyers decided that they were going to win games. Now, maybe it was because of hashtag bag it to broad or the hashtag bag street bullies. But the second that people started putting bags over their faces in their Twitter avatars, all of a sudden, the Flyers started winning games. So let's start with a little bit of positivity here. The Flyers have won four out of five games. They have a five-game point streak. Now, sure, we can point to the fact that the only real impressive win against any kind of team of any real significance was the Vegas Golden Knights, the first team that they were successful in defeating. Um, but they, they did pick up points against five teams. So let's get yeah. started there. Bundy, let's find a little bit of positivity. It is the holiday season. Christmas is upon us. Hanukkah's over. Kwanzaa will be coming up. Give some people something to light some candles and unwrap some presents. Well, I think the one thing, guys, you know, when you look at where, where the team's at, I mean, it's certainly uh, the 4 one stretch they're in right now stymied what the, the, I mean, the absolute disastrous 10-game run they went on. I mean, so anybody that wants to give us crap for, for just stating what the obvious was, I mean, it you know, we may talk about it, but when you got a group of uh, a, a large contingency of fans uh, that change their avatars with brown bags on their heads, it's become pretty obvious. It's I don't think it's a brown bag necessarily to the product of the ice. I think it's a brown bag to all things Philadelphia Flyers at times. And I think that's what they saw from that alumni game disaster that they put together with the the, the Hall of Fame stuff. It was just amateur hour. And I think the fans that have been treated to what this organization was in the past had recognized that they saw it for what it was uh, and they, they voiced their opinions. And I'm actually kind of proud that they did that. Cause that's the Flyers fans that I know they have the passion uh, and they're not going to sit around idly and just watch, you know, something go down the tubes, especially when we were told it was going to be a good thing. Three of us being around hockey, I think understood a little bit more that maybe these things work. Maybe they don't when you bring in a myriad of players in the summer to try to change things. Uh, but the fans thought it was going to be a good thing. And when you go on a 10 game losing streak at the, around the 20 game mark of the year, um, you couldn't set yourself up with a worse roadmap for the future. 
But what this did do, the four game, uh, five the points in five straight, Russ and Anthony, uh, was that it at least brought them back to normalcy. If they go two, two, and one in this stretch, they're almost done. Like, you know, they, they were, I think at one time, Anthony, maybe I'm wrong, Russ, if you guys saw it, I think I saw that they were 15 points out of the third spot in the Metro. Uh, if they don't get those, uh, the four points somehow and, and go 4 0 1, I'm telling you, they may be 20 points back right now, uh, except for the, the pandemic games that were postponed. So it's a bizarre, bizarre uh, start. It, it looked good early. The goaltending was great. The team, I don't think, and it's in and of itself, has been outstanding at any point. The goaltending has at times. Uh, but at least there's some life in them right now. And I think that uh, when they come back from Christmas, that would be my positive is that they can somehow build on it. Just because you beat a bad, te- a bunch of bad teams doesn't mean that when you play a good team, you're not going to beat that good team because it's always about how you feel. I always feel it's, you know, where your team's at when you're playing well. And we've seen this, right, Anthony? We talk about it all the time. Uh, this is a league now with a lot of ebbs and flows. And when you're going up and you're riding that wave, keep riding it. Because it seems like no matter who you are, look at the Edmonton Oilers. Didn't they lose six or seven in a row just a, a couple of weeks ago? They were going downhill. Now, what are they going to climb up again and find another streak? So it's almost like when you get on these streaks, it's very rare to see teams win one or, or two or three games and lose one uh, and then go back. It almost seems like the trend now is to go on a run of a bunch of wins or, or point streaks, and then it falls by the wayside when you don't. So I think it's a matter of managing those streaks um to a certain point and that's what the flyers did not do a good job of uh in that 10 gamer and and they've got their work cut out for them in the, in the post christmas uh uh second half if you want to call it and you mentioned the streakiness and the the team now you know they find themselves being led by mike yo and kind of a a ragtag bunch of ragamuffins rascallions on the bench like this isn't a, an nhl coaching staff that had been put together with a, an off season of of thought and planning and preparation it's it's kind of a hodgepodge, right? And so when you look at trying to avoid being too streaky and you look to try to, you know, improve the positive morale that Bundy also talked about, you got Mike Yo at, at the, the top. Players so far seem to be receptive to his message, which is interesting. He's one of the three guys that were kind of at the forefront of this previous coaching regime led by Elaine Vigneault. Uh, you know, from your experience, from talking to players, from talking to people around teams, are you surprised that the team appears to have bought in or appears to have kind of taken this next positive step under somebody who was already on the bench prior? Um, I'm not. And it's not that I think that they, they suddenly need to, they wanted to just buy into Mike Yo and they weren't buying into Elaine Vigneault. I think what it ended up being is it was a situation where they were just in such a bad way and couldn't figure their way out of it. And I don't think that they were pointing fingers at anybody and anybody, you know, whatever it was. I think it was like that they were just really struggling so hard that it was just a matter of when they were going to get out of it, whether it was with Vino as the head man or Yo as the head man. And then at that point, you, you kind of combine it with the fact that they, they did get a little bit of a break in their schedule. Um, and, I, and I, you know, I know I talked about that a lot during the during the losing streak. But I mean, there's no doubt about it. When you, when you look at the teams, I mean, yeah, Vegas was a nice win, but. Arizona, the Devils, Montreal, Ottawa, you, you know, these aren't teams that are, you know, lighting the world on fire. They're not going to be in the playoffs. They're, they're bad teams. And the Flyers didn't play great games against, against any of them, really, other than the Devils game here where they just dominated, right? I mean, that, that was a dominant performance. But other than that, I mean, the Arizona game, they struggled a little bit against, against a bad Coyotes team. They lost a game to Montreal in overtime. They never should have, or shootout, I guess, 
um, that they never should have lost. And then Ottawa, I mean, they barely pull that one out, right? I mean, that was, you know, that was a, a game that, that could have gone sideways in the last six minutes there. Um, none of them were pretty, other, like I said, other than that Devils game. But you kind of like Bobby just said, you kind of get on that in that mode and you kind of get moving in the right direction and you hope it, you hope it works. And if you look at the schedule ahead, and I, I'm, I'm one of those people who wants to look at those games and I, I look and see what's lying ahead of them, with the exception of the Penguins, five of their next six are games that they, they could win. Seattle, the Sharks twice, the Kings, Anaheim. I mean, these aren't good teams. You know, I know Anaheim's higher up in the standings, but really they've lost 15 of 32. All right, so they're, they're just kind of like a mediocre team. And Seattle, San Jose, the Kings, they stink. You know, like, I mean, so if, if you, you have five of the next six, you know, if out of those six games you get, you know, nine points out of 12, you're probably pretty pretty happy with that moving forward. And yeah, look, Bundy's still right. There's still 13 points um, behind the Rangers for third place. That's a that's going to be almost impossible to make up at this point. I mean, really, I've done I mean, it. We we've done it, Anthony. I've done it on a yeah. team before. We were 15 points back of the Devils in 2000. Yeah. We actually caught them, but there was only one team ahead of us. Right, right. it was them. Right. You know, so it was. It's not. I just think when you. I, it's it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. But but that being said, they're only four points out of a wild card spot. Right. So that's what you're chasing right now. And and it's really kind of, you know, will Pittsburgh hang? I mean, they're still a little bit behind the Penguins too, but um, Detroit is right now in that wild card spot. And I, I'm not certain. I think there might be one other team ahead of the Flyers, and that's it. If I look at the standings real quick, uh, two other teams, Boston and, and Columbus. So I mean, really, it's, when you really think about it, if, if the Flyers can kind of right the ship, it's going to be either them or the Bruins. Um, that probably gets that last wild card spot, and and you know that's what you're that's what you're chasing at this point. You worry about third place down the road. Hey, you get hot and the Rangers start falling off. Maybe you think about it, but right now you just want to get into a wild card spot. And if you're only four points out, so they can kind of hang in there for a little bit. The question will be, and this is why you know we had a little back and forth, Russ, on Twitter. I said, let's look and see where they're at after ten more games. After ten more games, you you can make a decision. I think to say either we're in this and we can try and, you know, make changes for this season to try and make the playoffs, or they're not in this after 10 more games, and then you sit there and say we're a seller. And I, and I think that's kind of what it – you have to kind of let that time element kind of play itself out because you're only four points out at this point. Bundy, I saw you smiling when he brought up the 10 games. No, I wasn't – I don't laugh at it. I do, I'm, just, I'm just thinking to myself, like, you know, the other part of that, though, is that teams like L.A. and Anaheim and San Jose – they're saying, you know what? We got the Flyers coming sure, in here. Yeah. They're winnable. That's a winnable game. You know, so that, that's the other side of the equation because there's, I, I trust me. I mean, I talk to people in the league. There's nobody that really thinks the Flyers are a juggernaut of any kind. So uh, not even in a stretch. So, I mean, in Seattle's been a little bit better. Uh, again, any, it just, I, I always feel it's more the ebbs and flows and where the team's at at that time. But I agree with you. I know I was laughing at Russ because he said yesterday, he can't put me on Twitter. He goes, how many more times? Is Anthony going to reset that 10-game clock? And I'm like, you know what? I mean, he's optimistic. But, again, I, I just think that I, I'm i going with where I was before, guys. I just kind of think they are who they are. And I think that they – you know, Montreal – like, you know, I look for positives in every game. How the hell do you give up 20 shots to Montreal in the first period? Those are moments like that where I'm like, all right, like, I want to be optimistic. Montreal is as bad a team as I've seen in the league all year. I mean, they are really bad. Yeah, It's not so much they won the game in a shootout. It's that they actually had 20 shots on goal in a period. Uh, Ottawa, why do you let Ottawa come back in a game you're up 2 nothing in? 
You know, those are the kinds of things that bug me about this team that yeah. I've seen. It's like the same movie over and over and over again. There's no need to let Ottawa hang around a game like that. They're not a good team. I know they're playing better lately, but then allow them to take a 3-2 lead, and then you have to put a desperation push on inside the last five minutes to tie the game and win it in, uh, in overtime. Those are the things that needs to get out of their, their game, and I just don't think that they are going to be able to get rid of those things until – there's a future, a, a future turnaround of whatever's here. I still, I'm still sticking with what I believe. If they win the cup this year, guys, I'll rent my own fire truck and ride on the front of it naked. <laughs> I don't at know. Least with a, at least with a, I'll tell you what, I'll make it better for you. I'll put a speed on it. I'll give you, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my captain's Borat. hat. Can you get the Borat? I'll, I'll, I will green, wear the uh... captain's hat with a speedo. <laughs> On there the front go. of a fire truck, my own fire truck. I'll give you the cap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> see, this is the reason that I laugh when Ant says, like, you know, to see where they're at in 10 games. Like, to me, this comes out. I don't want to relitigate this because we'll spend three hours of, of me and Ant <laughs> arguing. But the, I come back to, like, what's the end game? Like, what, what's the actual hope here for this team? Like, what can this team be? You they guys are wanna, talking about. They want to make the playoffs. You ask, you're asking what they want. You got to put yourself into Chuck Fletcher's position. And as the general manager of this, of this hockey team, his goal still remains making the playoffs this season. Of course and, he and, does. And Otherwise I, he could possibly lose his job. Like, yeah, of course he does. So, so, so therefore G- you're whoa, saying, whoa, flash it. Breaking news. Front office yes, people like right. to make the playoffs so they can Understood. keep their jobs. Yes. But you're GMs to, don't you're like to plan things out seven years down the line you're because they know they're now, not going to be in town. Your like, yes, argument of now is to blow it up now. And what I'm saying not. to you, is I didn't even say that. Like, but you've been saying it. You've been yeah, saying but they, it. That's been, before they won three games. And then, <laughs> that's and then before they that's before they won. They have a five points, uh, five game point yes. streak, Anthony. And then you, you know, criticize we, allowed me to for, wanting to, our, for wanting to push it ten more games down the road. And all I'm doing is I'm looking at it from the perspective of the general manager. And saying he's not going to be able to make any kind of changes that would change the roster for the future right now because it just mm-hmm. it just isn't that time of year, right? Uh, teams don't do that right now. And even if you get into your head that, um, yeah, probably maybe that's the direction we're going to go. I mean, you, you don't have confidence and you don't say it publicly, but you don't have confidence in, in the team that you have and that's the direction you're going to go. You don't put it out there now. You have to still wait and see. So just let them play the game. What's the what's the what is the harm? Is what I'm saying. And let it go. Ten more. No, I'll tell you what the harm is. Go ahead, Russ. I mean, it's not complicated. The harm is if you think that this team really isn't that good. If this team is like at best maybe a a a bubble playoff team, right? Then we're we're back in that mire of mediocrity. That's that's where I don't like to live. I I prefer not to. And yet I'm a Philadelphia sports fan. I could have been a Pittsburgh fan. When you're in Schuylkill County, you could be a Pittsburgh and a Philly fan. Why the hell did I pick Philadelphia? What's wrong with me? I could have had the Penguins. I could have had the Steelers. Sure, I would have had the Pirates. That would have been awful. But like, I, I could have had two winners. And instead, I picked Philadelphia. And so now, I'm stuck with my decision, okay? And so, from my perspective, I say, well, what, what's the point? You know, being a bubble playoff team doesn't really do anything. And yes, you're right. Like, conceptually, if the idea here is we're going to sell off parts, we're going to start to sell off guys in the hopes of, you know, blowing things up and, and really going for it. The, the harm that happens, and you can't do anything to mitigate. The only way that you could effectively try to tank these next 10 games or try to really mess things up would be to start moving guys to LTIR. Like that, and, and right now, you don't really have many options, right? Because Kevin Hayes is back-ish in the lineup, seems to be kind of 
maybe like he's going to be playing. He might have to take some time here and there. Um, I can't imagine you're going to move Ryan Ellis to LTIR. So if that's the case, you don't really have a mechanism to, to really bottom out. The problem is like, if you start winning games and you know, in your heart of hearts that you're maybe at best a bubble team, you're, you're hurting your draft stock. You're hurting your draft position, which is what, you know, we had the, the big long back and forth about, but like, realistically, if you're looking for generational talent or a legitimate shot to get some kind of a star caliber player, you would hope to end up with a top three pick at the end of the year. Winning games against bad teams, while it might give you a little bit of a boost and in the short term, you know, makes you feel better about people maybe taking the bags off their Twitter avatars. Like in the grand scheme of things, it means nothing. It means nothing at all. The only thing it really does is give other teams you're competing with for a potentially high draft pick the fact that like they got to pick up a regulation loss or they picked up an overtime loss instead of getting a win against your bad team. Like that to me is the problem. If the Flyers had gone out here and, and beaten some of the top teams in hockey or even like middle of the playoff race teams, you know, like the Golden Knights are one. But like teams that you're beating, you don't want to beat other bad teams. If you think that like this is the end game here is you want to try to end up with a, a higher pick. No GM is going to want to do that. No coach is going to want to do that. No veteran player is going to want to do that. But like, realistically, if we're being honest about like what the best thing for the team is, like I will still stand resolute in the fact that like, I don't think this team is a Stanley cup contender. I don't think they're one or two moves away at the trade deadline from being a Stanley cup contender. I don't think they're one or two moves away in free agency from being a Stanley cup contender. And if I'm right and the cap situation is what it is going into next season. And you still have a captain who's unsigned for next year. Who's going to want money. If he comes back, like, I look at this and I say, we're delaying the inevitable again. And it's fine. If you want to do that, that's fine. That's, that's your prerogative. From my standpoint, I say, I'd rather at least end up with a decent pick this year, if possible. Like, I think that would be fine. I don't want the 22nd pick in the draft. Or the I, can't, I cannot draft. stand. I cannot stand. And Bundy, I'm, I'm going to let you speak in just one second. Go ahead, yeah. But I cannot stand the mentality of today's fan, young fan, which is, mm-hmm. oh, let's just keep tanking. Let's just keep tanking for good picks. We'll get there eventually. We'll do it. We went through the process. We'll go through it again. Let's go another eight years without winning. Let's just keep doing it. It drives me insane. I want to win. Every season, I want to win. That is the premise of the sport. That is the premise of competition. You try to win. Yes, you may not have the right team to win, at that moment, but you try to win. The whole notion, tell me where it works and how long it takes. And I'll give you examples. You might find one or two that go, oh, well, here's a team that did it. Oh, here's a team that did it. And I will show you 50 that didn't do it because it doesn't work unless you get incredibly lucky. This is not the way to go about running a sports team period here's the one problem and i I understand where both of you are talking about here's the issue that i have with this team in general and it and and i can't say it ever happened uh in my playing days because we always had a very excellent hockey teams the problem with this team if i'm a member of this team i'm pretty much i know inside as much as i want to play great every night that is probably not going to be a team that's going to win a stanley cup i mean you know that as a player so the problem the Flyers have right now, guys, and I understand what you're saying, Russ, but again, I, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of rationale to that, but there's a lot of disapproval people would have to try to get one of those little picks. The Flyers, I just wrote it down so I didn't forget. It. They're not bad enough to be last place in the league, and they're not good enough 
to even maybe be a playoff team. That's the worst possible kind of team to be on or involved with. And it, it is because you have no identity. You really don't think, and most people don't believe that you're a playoff team. Maybe you're a bubble. Maybe you get in the wild card. Maybe they turn it around. I'm going to push this to Anthony a little bit on it. But the problem is, is that they're just not awful enough to be last place in the league like Arizona or one of those teams that's going to get that pick. So what do you do? If you're that kind of a market, and a lot of it too, guys, you know, you've been around Anthony, you've been around the league touring yeah, or, or as, as a, a writer before. It depends on the market you're from. Like, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. There's some markets out there. I'm going to tell you this. They don't give a shit about their hockey team. They don't give two shits about them. And that's the bottom line. All right. People in Philly actually care about their sports. And I think that becomes the problem is that you're saying to yourself, geez, we're, we just kind of exist. That's who the Flyers are right now. They are just another team that to me, that's addressed in orange. That's in the middle of the heap right now. They're not a playoff team. They're not the worst team in the league. They're certainly not the best and they're not going to be the best tomorrow. Right. So how do you how do you talk about that kind of a product? Yeah, and so I think that I think you nailed it, Bundy. And I, and I think that the solution there is, is you can't because you can't go into full rebuild mode, especially when you don't have a farm system to begin with. I mean, you, you really kind of have to have some elements in that farm system to be part of a rebuild. OK, in this sport, you have to have something there to sit there and go, OK, this will help us get there faster. Otherwise, you become the Buffalo Sabres and you're taking decades to get better right so what do you the only other solution and you're right it's they're in a bad spot the bad spot that they're in is not necessarily it's well it's a combination of not not great drafting but it's also a combination of bad contracts that's the situation that you find yourself in with in the salary cap world so what the the way out of it in all honesty is to continue to try and do what they've been doing and i know fans don't want to hear this but to continue and try and do it in the way that you're doing it where you say we need to add each year and try and get there and try and get there and try and get there and blow out your bad contract. You cannot then give out more bad contracts. They did a good job getting rid of the old bad contracts. Right. And then all of a sudden they handed out some more, all of a sudden JVR's contract becomes a bad contract. All of a sudden Kevin Hayes contract becomes a bad contract. All of a sudden now we're sitting here questioning whether Couturier's contract will be worth it down the road or Provorov's contract was enough, was the right contract or the right amount of money, right length of time. So we're starting to question those. So you went from having bad contracts that you got rid of. Okay. We opened it up, had all this cap space. And how did we replace that cap space by giving out more bad contracts? That's where this team went wrong, but that's how you have to, I think that that's the right, that doesn't mean that it's not the right approach to going to fixing what you have. You can be a, a middling team and get better by doing it the right way. That's just the Flyers haven't done it that way. You cannot, I don't think that your, I don't think that your best suit, best path is to blow everything up and start from zero because in hockey, it takes far but too long. The problem long is like, not only have they not there. done it the right way, like there's no indication that they can. Like Chuck, this is where I come back to the Chuck Fletcher element of this. Like, here's the, like, honestly, if we're being realistic here, Here's the best case scenario for the team. They do whatever they're going to do this year. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. Maybe they will. Let's bring some Christmas bliss to people. The Flyers maybe can make the playoffs. So if you're sitting by your Christmas tree and you have your Flyers. Positivity for our three-star guy. There you go. Like if you, if you have a puck or you have a gritty or you have like a picture of you and your loved ones and bunny put the Christmas, uh, the Santa hat back on. Like if you're looking at your tree and, and you're trying to figure out like if it's even worth going on with the rest of the season and supporting the team like sure of course it is as a fan like you are more than within your right 
to put your money out there, to put your time out there, to invest in the team. Ultimately, do I think it's a worthwhile endeavor? I don't know, like probably not, but like you could still do it. There's nothing wrong with it. But from my vantage point, I think that like where this team ends up having to go, they're going to have some tough decisions to make in the off season. They might be able to move a couple of pieces around the trade deadline. But like to me, I, if, if we're not going to do the right thing, which I think really is to invest in like a three-year plan, not a five-year plan, like three years of trying to build up the farm system of hopefully hitting on one high pick. If you're not going to do that, I think you have to start over on the bench. And I think you probably have to start over in the front office because like I, like I said, last episode, you also have to look at, you also have to look at, here's something else that you're, you're saying that and it philosophically sounds beautiful. Right. But let me, let me, let me throw something else at you. There has to be that generational player in the draft that you have to get lucky to get. How often do they come out? Right, we've seen that the number one pick the last few years, they're just guys. I mean, they're okay. They're good players, but they're not, they're not that generational player. That's what you need to come along. And we don't see that. We, you don't have it coming up in this year's draft. There's no generational player in this year's draft. So are you looking at something? Are you looking at a kid that's 15 years old? 14 years old and say that kid's going to be the number one player in four years. Let's get to the point where we're bad enough that we have a shot to draft him. I mean, maybe, I mean, we kind of looked at guys like McDavid and Crosby at that age and thought, okay, those will be, those guys will be that. Right. But I mean, is that, does that player exist? I don't scout 14 year old players all over the world. Right. I don't know. So the fact of the matter is, is that's what you have to kind of, if you're going to do that, you have to time it with that. And then sure. get lucky enough to get that pick. That's a lot. But that's of why it can't be a one, like. That's why it can't be a one year. Like it can't just be like a one year teardown, right? Like it it has to be something that you're, as an organization, you're invested in for like three years. Because chances are that within three years, if you have like a top five pick twice, or you have a top ten pick two or the three Ran- times, the Rangers, you guys, will probably the Rangers you will probably model. hit. Yeah. Yeah, but the, but even still, Bundy, the Rangers. You're right. The Rangers were a good model in the way that they were doing it. But their 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 hit so far has been the goalie, who was not one of those top picks. Well, and Fox, right? Well, and Fox, who was a third rounder, right? Yeah, from yeah. another team that they acquired in a trade. So I mean, yeah, I know, are- but but I'm still saying though, like I, I still think Lafreniere and uh, and Kako are going to be good players, really sure. good players. Yeah. Uh, Zabanajad adds a lot there in a, in a in a very good trade by the and, Rangers, and they got Panarin to sign there, which was a yeah. huge thing. Yeah, and you know? Panarin. So they they have they they did you know they they they. There's a lot of agreement, guys, I'm, uh, with both of what you're saying and what I'm saying. The problem is, is it, it almost feels like Philadelphia is a team stuck inside a tennis ball where you have the, the fans who have an expectation. You have the organization who has an expectation. You have a team that is what it is. You've, and, and, and you said it as much, Anthony, if you've, if you've done wrong with your contracts, you're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. And the problem is they haven't been so bad that they've been able to get one of those top three picks. So that means when I say that, you're just kind of this team to me is just living in air. It's just floating around in space because you've had. And, and again, it goes back to what I said maybe a month ago. To me, this team needs a full rebuild. It does. I don't care if they go win eight out of 10. To me, they still need to tear down the older part of this and rebuild it somehow because it hasn't worked. Yeah, well, we the, one time, the, one, the, the, the one time that they had that top three pick, they blew it. They, they drafted did. Nolan Patrick. And, and we talked about this on the last podcast. Nolan Patrick, the mistake of Nolan Patrick begat the $7 million seven-year contract for Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes, like, yeah. If, 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 if Nolan Patrick is a hit, you're not signing Kevin Hayes, right? Very true. So you're signing somebody else. Or if you draft Kale McCarr, 
or Miro Heiskin in there and you have a top pair defenseman that really solidifies your blue line, then maybe that money that you spent on Kevin Hayes is spent elsewhere instead. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You, know, you go after a different kind of player. Yeah, and, and imagine this team, right, Anthony, with Kale McCarr. Yeah. I mean, he he would he's so much better than any defenseman the Flyers have here. It's not even close. Yes. And, and same with um, with Heiskinen. Yeah. Same thing in Dallas. Like, Which is why I'm not playing. saying that you need to be so bad that it's always going for the number one pick. Like you could theoretically in the right draft here, if you have a top five, a top 10 pick, if you have good scouts, if you have a good eye for talent and you evaluate properly, you can pick up at least one significant player. And so that to me is like, that's like where we continue to have like the same argument. I think like I, I've said this a million times. Claude Giroux is to the Flyers what Allen Iverson was to the Sixers in terms of like what they were given in terms of talent that they played with and what their ultimate cap was. Each player got to a final. Now, granted, Iverson got to it because he dragged a bunch of scrubs to the finals and Giroux was a young player on a team that made the finals, but they still both made a finals and they both had years where there was really no legitimate effort to go out and acquire another star or in the case of, of Giroux, enough solid B-level players to give him a legitimate chance to take a team to the Stanley Cup. And so, you know, if, if the idea here is, like Bundy said, you're in this like tennis ball, you're just kind of like this team that exists and you kind of are what you are. Unless you think that Chuck Fletcher is going to magically become a, a sensational talent evaluator, like a draft expert. I mean, like the best drafter in the league, and you think that he's going to be able to wheel and deal you out of some of these horrific contracts that are on the books for these next few years, you're going to be stuck. Like there is no way out. And that, that kind of is a problem. Like that, that long-term is an issue. Retooling like they did with Atkinson in place of Voracek, if that's the kind of move that you can make, or that's the only move that you as an organization decide is possible, well then fine. Like then that's what you're going to have to do. But is there a team right now that has a similar cap hit to James Van Riemsdyk that's going to give you a player that's going to make an impact? Do you, you know what I mean? Like that to me is, is I guess one of the, the other big issues. Like you have big money to move, but like, unless it's one of these other bad teams that just wants to take on the money and give you shorter term deals to help you get out of it within two years instead of three or four, I don't know what we're doing. Like, I don't know how you get out of some of the deals they've got. Do you have a plan there, Ant? Well, they, they you, you saw that it's possible when they moved the money that they had to move this summer. You got to just give up other assets. So when they traded Gossis Bear, <laughs> Arizona took on his contract, right? But we had to give up something yeah. else on top of it, right? I mean, so yeah. so I mean, really, if you make a mistake with a bad contract, the only way out of it is one of two two ways: either you're keeping part of the salary, right, or you have to pay extra for someone to take the money on. Yeah, and or then take, or take a bad, or take a bad contract in return and hope that yeah. it hope that that player kind of comes back to life for you right i mean that's that, the other that's, that's a third option which is not a good one but it is but i mean yeah you're right ross i mean that's it that's it so uh, but at the same time you should try i think that you have a better chance if you're if we're going to sit here and and be uh actuaries for a second and i'm going to sit here and i'm going to tell you that what the what the best chance of quicker recovery is I think that you have a much better chance of recovering your team and getting back to a level that you need to be at by trying to move on from bad contracts and bring in new players while using your own draft picks to develop your players wherever you draft at, okay, and get there 
then you do tearing it all down and then crossing your fingers that you get those top picks and that that in that year that there's that kind of player that's in those top three, five, seven players that can come in and be the difference-making player. Provorov was expected to be that. He was drafted seventh overall. He got into the, They got into that spot because that's who they expected was going to be a difference-making player. He hasn't been. No. Right? Hasn't been. So, I mean, you, you can think you have the right player, and then you find out seven years down the road, okay, that's not the right player. And now you're, now you're waiting another five years or so because of the way hockey is really only those top two, maybe three guys are coming in at 18. And then, then you got to wait till 19, 20, 21 before they really hit the NHL. You're, you're really taking your time. It's, it's a process. You say it's got, you want to do it in three years. It doesn't quite always work that way because it takes time for these guys to develop into NHL players in this sport. It takes longer than three years. That's why I think you're better suited going the route that they've been well, trying to go, but okay. but have failed that, but have failed that. But to, that's this is I think this is the better route. Yeah, but to be clear, the three year plan, like if if you were all right, so like, and if you need to get rid of James Van Riemsdyk, are you attaching a first round pick? If that guaranteed gets rid of, I, I don't know. If they're a I bubble mean, team, I, if it's a, if it's a middle ish of the first round pick. And that gets James Van Riemsdyk's contract off your books for next year. Gives you the flexibility that you might need one to reassign. I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather do a second to acquire another player. Well, of course you'd rather, rather a second. second. I'd rather but a fourth. I, but like, let's be let's be real here. Like, if if it if it takes a first round pick, do you do it? I have to think. I have to see. Like, I, that can't be the first move. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't be. I can't be. Yeah, I'm giving the, up my that, first round okay. pick to get this money off the contract off the books. I can't, I can't. Do you, I, I do you try to convince, do you convince, like you try to convince Kevin Hayes to waive his no movement clause that you stupidly gave him? Like, do you, that do, I can do you have that conversation? But, but who's Does Kevin that Hayes want to move? Well, there you go. But who's like, what are you going to attach with Kevin Hayes's contract? Would you try, would you attach a first to get out from under that massive bloated contract? No, not right off the bat. No. Too I think many Kevin years, too many years left, but that's yeah. maybe uh, if you, if you, I guess if you're desperate, Russ, He's got what five years left after this? Six. Yeah, that's five. It's bad. Five. So I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe I don't think you'd have to give a first, but you might be able to get to, to move him, and a second rounder might make sense. Yeah, second or a pair of second round. I mean, it, it won't be cheap for someone to take that contract. And again, you know, they're going to look at the player. They're going to look at all things Kevin Hayes. You know, I'm just using him as an example. Where's he at? What's his headspace like right now? What's his condition? Is his body in? Uh, how much does he want to win from where they see it? Those are all factors that come into play. It's not just about talent anymore, guys. It's also about if I'm a, if I'm a GM out there, I just don't want a player with with a contract. I want to know what I'm getting. Yeah, I mean, certain. I, I I think a team that looks at itself and says we are that you know we we could use a puck possession center, um, and that would you know third line center, and that we think we can make a run for the cup if we can add that one piece. Maybe a team like that would sit there and go, okay. We'll, we'll take a chance on a guy like Kevin Hayes because we've seen what he can be, right? And yeah, his so head Colorado is going to send him to Colorado since everybody wanted to like send Giroud to Colorado. Can we send Kevin Hayes to Colorado? <laughs> he would live in no movement clause. Yeah. I don't know if they have the room that there for. Well, I mean, they might. I mean, we'd have to figure. They would have to figure it out um, for down the road. But uh, but I mean, no. I mean, I think a team that would be close could consider that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's another tough spot to be in. And and Bundy's right. It's going to be a at least a second, maybe two seconds, second and a third, something along those lines, maybe a conditional pick in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Something like that is going to be what it takes 
to get rid of the contract off your, or you work it out where you say, we'll, we'll pay 20% of the contract and only give you one of the picks, you know, or whatever. And so like, you just got to suck up some of the money and, and that's, but th- if that's what you got to do, I think that's a better course to, to, to go Unless you have, unless you look at your farm system and you go, man, we got six, seven NHL top end players coming. Like we could blow this up. And then within two to three years, we can be a, a cup contender. Fine. But they don't have that. No, you don't, you don't have that. So therefore you well, can't to, do it. And that's, why, that's what that's I meant. So to be clear, when I say two to three years, like for me, it's all about asset collection at that point. Like it really is about trying to get whatever you can in terms of a high pick. But it doesn't mean that those guys are going to immediately make you a contender. Like it might be the first year you get like the 10th overall pick or the 11th overall pick. And the next year, maybe thing you're able to move a couple more contracts, you get the sixth pick. And then the third year, you get like the eighth pick somewhere along the lines. Like you say, after the third year, all right, we have enough space cleared. We've cleared enough of the, of the cap. We can now go back and try to be a player for free agents and really start to boot this thing up. The first year or two of having those free agents, that's when you're starting to include some of these higher draft picks. Like that's trying to supplement things. It's not the idea. Like, I don't think there is a way within two years or even three years to say, we're going to bottom out, get these top two, three or two or three guys, hopefully hit on all of them. And then those guys are going to then lead a Stanley cup contender the next year. I mean, the only team that's had three years of trying to get a a high ish pick, do whatever you're going to do at the NHL level. Try to try to hopefully do something with your farm system. Maybe you hit on some later round picks and you're sending them through the AHL and you're trying to get the whole thing together. Year four, you start bringing these guys up. You hopefully sign a free agent. Like that, I think, is like the utopian view. I see what you're yeah, saying. Well, it's very I think utopian. that like ultimately very it makes... utopian. The, the only team that the only team that's had that luck though is Pittsburgh. They are the only yeah. one. You got Crosby, Malkin, Flurry in three consecutive drafts. I mean, at the top of a draft. Stanley Cups. Right, right. That's the only, but that's really who else has had that luck to draft like that at the top of a draft? No, nobody. They were the only team that yeah, got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Chicago Blackhawks. Well, they got Kane and Taze number three, which was, which was yeah. luck. The Kane but, one was, was luck, the, but they got it. Kane one was total luck, and yeah. they got Taze with the third pick. Yeah. You know, so I mean, there are there are cases where the you know this like is top Bundy. end guys. This carry. is Bundy saying, Russ, you're right. We need the top no. talent. I'm not. I'm lucky, saying there's a lot the of guys. Talent. There's a lot of rights that you both you. have. The problem is, it's a it's a real tough. It's a tough sell. It's the Flyers are in a tough spot from an objectively uh, an objective fan in the area because for the reasons we've all talked about, they're too far from the top and they're not far enough from the bottom yet, and that's why that it's a difficult it's a difficult uh, task to maneuver this team right now for anybody and that's yeah, why let's move this forward because well, we've talked we've been on, I want to move it we've been on I want to move it forward but I want to move yeah. it forward who are here's how I want to move it forward Russ you know you know you know who the guy is that that knows how to do this better than maybe anybody in the NHL has done it once and is now doing it again in another with another team Steve Eiserman yep. oh yeah Steve Eiserman he did. He, he I mean, he make, wasn't he didn't there. Make headlines this past week or anything, though, did he? No, but he, he like he wasn't. He wasn't there when they won the cup in Tampa. But those mm-hmm. players are his players. He won the cup in Tampa for them, and everybody yeah. knows that. Yeah, they're all his players. They're so every one Ed of the guys. This is Ed yeah. Wade. Ed and Wade drafted all the players that won the World Series, and now he's in Got Detroit it. and doing it again. And and that Detroit yeah. team within a couple of years is going to be one of the best teams in hockey again. Yeah, because Eiserman so, knows what he's what he's doing 
So let's jump into Iserman because he made news. Uh, obviously, the way that the NHL has handled COVID, has handled the Omicron variant, has been met with a lot of mixed reviews. Many of those reviews, though, are worse than a three-star review saying we're too negative. Um, Iserman came out, and, and I think you have the quotes pulled up. I do. But he, he seemed to have a problem with the way that the league was handling it, especially relative to other leagues, including the NFL, if you want to drop those quotes on some people. Yeah, here's what he said. He said, players are testing positive with very little symptoms, if any symptoms at all. I don't see it as a threat to their health at this point. So I think you might take it a step further and question, why are we even testing guys that have no symptoms? And then later on, he went and said, the players, I think, ultimately, they want to play. None of the players have come to us and said, hey, we should shut this down. If they feel that way, they haven't expressed that to us. I think our players have been very positive in that. Just tell us what we need to do and we'll do it. They've been acceptive of the protocols, whether they like them or not is irrelevant, but they've been willing to do them. So in other words, what he's saying is, let's only test players if they're symptomatic and they're vaccinated. Of course, obviously, if you're unvaccinated, you need to be tested more regularly. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. But I think that the, oh, the notion of that, but continue. Well, I mean, I, in general, um, uh, but I think from looking at it from a league protocol standpoint, the NFL has finally decided to take this tact and they're starting that this week, week 16. They are no longer testing asymptomatic vaccinated players. Not it's because it's because what's ending up happening is we keep hearing about this team has 15 players in protocol. This team has 20 players in protocol, but how many of them are really sick? Like, I mean, one here and there. I mean, for the most part, these guys are totally fine, could be playing their sport and could be out there and not be on this protocol list. But, but we've, we've, we've moved into an era where everything is, is, you know, we spent the last year and a half being afraid of COVID, right? So everything is now revolves around fear of this thing and not necessarily about the practicality of, of the science, which if you read the New York Times of all places, it had a, a thing recently that, that talked about just how uh, un, not dangerous uh, Omicron is, even though it's even though it spreads faster, just how not dangerous it is to vaccinated people. It's I over mean, it's, in South Africa. It's, yeah, it's, it's done. It's, it's already gone through the people. They said yeah. it the other day. I heard it. Yeah. Yeah. And so like so I think what we're, we're doing here and I think the NFL has finally got it right in the NHL, who we praised, Russ, if you remember when the. Um, when they did the bubble of, of, of handling that really, really well. So I don't want to sit here and make yeah. it like we, we always crap on the NHL because they yeah. handled the bubble really, really Agreed. well. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. This they did the best is the thing that they could where... do. They by, by far, they did the best possible yeah. thing that they could given everything that we knew, given the science that we had at the time. Right. right. By far. They did it the right way. I support that too. I agree. Yeah. But this time around, I think that they dropped the ball. I think, yeah. that, I think that they let it get too far. Now, a skeptic, and I am skeptical, but a, a skeptic might say that they never wanted their players to go to the Olympics to begin with. And so this is just kind of an opportune op thing for the NHL to cancel all these games and say, oh, well, so see, we need to redo these games. We can't send our players to the Olympics now. Um, I, you know, you want to be skeptical about that. That's fine. But the reality is, is that there's no need to be taking all these players out of games and putting them into the protocol when they are totally fine and healthy. Well, yeah. there's the, I, I, ahead, well, they're gonna, I think they're gonna, they're probably going to follow suit right to what the NFL is doing. Hopefully and stop testing, uh, you know, asymptomatic players, which is probably what Iserman saying. You just use a different tone and say, guys, I don't even know what to believe anymore. So I try to stay off and I, I try yeah. to stick to the rules. They tell me to put a mask on. I'll put a mask on. But I, I, I mix. I think there's been so many uh, missteps taken everywhere 
that it makes any normal human being question what's going on, especially when it comes to sports in general. Like we thought we were done with this last summer and another variant comes in and it, it, it shakes everybody. There's fear creeps in. Um, but I think that they have to find a way, uh, you know, and I, and I heard um, uh, the NBA commissioner this morning, I think I read on Twitter where he said, um, we're not going to shut down. Like we have to learn to live with this. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and he did say that I think it was last night or this morning. So again, I, I, I prefer that attitude that it, as long as players are 1000% safe um, guys have played with the flu over the years. I know someone said, that's not the same flu. I play with guys where there was five guys on the bench that had the flu back in the day. Right. And influenza still killed around a hundred thousand people, I think on average over the course of time. Right. So again, you know, as long as people are safe, as long as they've put themselves feel safe, whether you're a fan, somebody working in the building, uh, a player, to me, that that's the most important thing I think is, is, and if, if, if as long as their public public health uh, is addressed in it, that no one else gets it. I think that the NHL needs to figure out a way through this rather than around it. The NHL uh, out of the Olympics to me is the right call at this point. Yeah. Well, and that, well, it has, that's, that's a, has to be, well, I mean, that's a whole other thing too, right? Like, I don't know where you guys usually fall on this. I don't mind. I, I actually kind of like seeing NHL players play in the Olympics traditionally. I think it's a good thing for the sport. I think it's good for people who are not necessarily big hockey fans to get exposure to who the best players are. You have that chance of, you know, maybe building up a little bit of excitement and momentum around your season. Once it resumes, you might have, I mean, think about every winter Olympics. What's the one sport that nobody ever cared about that everybody comes out feeling great about after the winter games. What's the one sport? No hockey curling. Everybody loves curling. curling. You don't think about <laughs> curling until the Winter Olympics are on. And then by the time the Olympics are over, what do you see? John next door with his broom out front and a, an old kettle pot that he's trying to get down the driveway. Now, just me. I, I played in the me. Olympics, guys. I played in the Winter Olympics. And let me tell you something right now. People are going to hate me for this. It was the most overrated experience of my life. You suck. Don't you? D- I do. I, if, on, I, if I could have gone back in time. And actually switch between the Olympics in 94 and actually playing splitting a year between the Flyers and the Hershey Bears, I would have taken the latter every single so you, day. Of you, the were, week. you were in Lillehammer. That was the uh, that was the Forsberg. Uh, that was the Olympics, Forsberg. Right? I, yeah, we lost. I got a silver medal. It's great. You know, it sits around. The kids bring it to school and show it off. But to me, it right. was it's the most overhyped, overrated thing ever. Was that, was and that to go back to China? Yeah, I know. Whatever. Was that uh, Corey Hirsch? Yeah, See, was that what the, he was the goalie gave up the goal? I love every guy in that team. It was one of the most amounts of fun I had. But I'm just saying, from a, a standpoint, in my life. Yeah, that's other guys would totally disagree with me. That's just my perspective. It's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm so so I, so. Like, let me ask you. Let me I'm ask so you this. No, 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 no. This is good. This is good. So, to you, Bundy, chasing a Stanley Cup means a lot more than getting a gold medal. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I wasted a year to me. I, I should have been in the pros. Um, I think the Olympics, the Olympics are cool. Uh, the only thing cool I remember about that Olympics, other than getting to the gold medal game was Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan were there. And I was hoping somebody would get clubbed again. Uh, Cause it certainly would have made for some really exciting TV as I was right in the middle of it. Um, but, but you know what? It didn't happen guys. They went out there and skated their little hearts out and, and everything worked out, and uh, the world ended up on his axis. Nancy won the silver medal, and uh, the villain left uh, Lily Hammer in shame again. So, so, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna keep. I, I, this is this fascinates me a little bit because I've always had the assumption. 
I, 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 for a long time, I had the assumption that for Canadian players, that the Stanley Cup meant more than anything. But then it took for all the, you know, all those years you're trying to win, and then Crosby gets the golden goal. And it, I remember talking to all those players about just how important getting the gold medal was for Canada after such a long drought. I, I guess the question is, is, is that is it still Stanley Cup for, over gold medal for Canada, or do you think it's more 50-50, or what do you think it is up there? Uh, I, I mean, if it's, I, I can't imagine it wouldn't be Stanley Cup all the way. Guys, the interest that I have, and this is just me, yeah. I used to love watching the Olympics, like going back uh, when the, the pros played while I was a player. The problem I have with, with the Olympics uh, overall, I think, is that it, it ranks to me now with the world championships. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like it's like the winter classic. They suck the life out of it already and it's done. And if you really think that the Olympic Games are that much more special than you know, if you go ask a lot of the, uh, the European players, they would have told you that the World Championships are as as important as the Olympics. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I I'm just sticking by what I said. I, I if I could have gone back in time, it would have been one of my uh, my great redos. To be honest that? with you, yeah. And I, I won knew. a medal. So so just something just to be knew. clear, just to be clear, this is your internal monologue. Do you believe in miracles? Great, eh. great story. You'll never eh. see that ever again. You'll never <laughs> see that happen again. Yeah. Yeah, that was a different, Man. that was a different era. That was a different yeah. era. Yeah, that's a little. I'm kind of shocked here. We have an Olympian on this show who thought the Olympics were overrated. I was a who proud regrets, Olympian. Don't get me who wrong. Who I mean, I was, it was, being it was nice Olymp to oh, say that I played, but it's not like something I go out and people are like, oh, where'd you play? Oh, I played on the Canadian Olympic team. It's like, I don't run with that first. I'd say, you know, I grew up in Ottawa. I played at Providence. I played for the Flyers and I had a stop on the Olympic team in between. I just, I just don't glorify it the way some guys do. That's just a personal choice, guys. No other reason. So that was, that was pre, that was pre-pro though, right? That was the last year before the last Olympics before the pros started going. And, I, and you know, what's funny. I almost made it in 98. Yeah. I was one of the last uh, two guys and we were, I was, Clarky called me up, said, you're on the list. I had a great run with Desjardins. Probably had something to do with it. He was yeah. on the team. Uh, he said, you know what? If one guy gets hurt, you're going to get the call. And I was like, wow. I was just really thought that was so cool. So maybe it would have been different. That was uh, Nog that year? That was Nagano, right? Yeah, Nagano. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. So that was that was the year when uh, LeClaire and, and uh, all the Americans destroyed the hotel. Yeah, Johnny actually, I, I remember he came back that night. I'll finish this because I actually got to run, guys. But I remember Johnny came back and there was this big like story that somebody trashed the tables and chairs in the village. And I knew right away, I went, that's John LeClaire. Had his, <laughs> had his fingerprints all over that. He turned into Johnny Vermont one night, just went off. And then I heard it was Walt, big Keith Kachuk, yep. and a couple other guys. And Johnny told me he went in with a fire extinguisher and totally sprayed Mike Richter. And like he had like white stuff all over. It was after they lost it. Mike Richter's like, dude, what the F? And Johnny goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... That's a great, that's a great story. Sorry. Yeah. That's a great story, man. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Well, Russ, since Bundy has to run, why don't we uh, wrap this, this up with a couple five-star reviews. Wrap this puppy up, baby. And, and right. wishing everybody a happy holiday. Yeah, that. Uh, five-star reviews. First one, Provorov, five stars from FlyerFan16. Love the show. You guys are the most plugged into the team from anyone out there. Was reading Ant's article after the Avalanche game, and he mentioned maybe Provy is a second-pair defenseman. <laughs> It jolted me back a couple of years when ineffective math, that's a Twitter account you can find, 
uh, called him a second pair defenseman who hurts the power play. And we all laughed at him. Guess we should have listened. And then we've got NK underscore 30, who says the only honest Flyers podcast. I finally found it. The first Flyers podcast that is critical yet supportive when need be. Although I may sound pessimistic, it is the truth given the current state of the organization. We, the fans, deserve the truth and valued opinions from those who know the ins and outs of the organization. Snow the goalie delivers on that sentiment. Look at that. Yeah. Love beautiful. that. Love I it. hope that we deliver. No, I hope UPS and FedEx and USPS and DHL deliver to your home the way that we apparently deliver to NK underscore 30. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, well, have, a, have a great Christmas. Merry Wonderful Christmas, holiday. guys. It's been yeah. a great, great start. It's been yeah, a good, good start, uh, guys, doing this. I've enjoyed myself thoroughly through the uh, first, uh, call it halfway point, right, Anthony? Is it yeah, the halfway close, close point? To it. Yeah, close to it. Yeah. Christmas break. But Merry Christmas, guys. Uh, it's been a great ride so far. I look forward to the second half. And you know what? I hope we win. Like, I really, this is one thing I think that we all agree on. We talk. We want the team to do well, right? Like, we really yeah. do. But but we're we going to call it what we're going to call what we see no matter what. And I think that's what keeps us uh, at the forefront of a lot of these. Yep. Good stuff. Make Rough, sure you follow up, baby. Yeah. Make sure you follow us all on Twitter at C six at Ansan Philly at Joanne broad at snow, the goalie on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com slash snow, the goalie you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Amazon music, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Google podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, snow, the goalie flyers podcast is there. You can of course find the audio and eventually we'll go back to doing the video over on youtube.com slash crossing broad. You can find the playlist there as well. As Bundy said, it's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, hopefully, you've enjoyed it out there. Uh, Bundy's been with us. He's been enjoying it. But, you know, we'll see where we are in 10 games. Ah, ah, ah. All right. You never know. <laughs> All right, guys. Have know. a great – everybody out there, have a great Christmas. Enjoy your holiday weekend. Stay out of trouble. We'll be back next week, I guess, with the new Snow the Goalie. Merry Christmas. <laughs>